Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Uh, Today is what is known as Palm Sunday, and uh, uh, it is when we remember the account where Jesus came into Jerusalem and the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and they waved their palm branches and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And uh, as I read that account, I couldn't help but think that there is a divide between the actual experience of Palm Sunday and our reading of it. And one of the reasons for that is, as you all walked into worship this morning, my first instinct was not to spread my clothes along the aisle for you, wave palm branches and say, Hosanna, Hosanna, as you walked in. And if I would have done that, it probably would have freaked you out a little bit, I would guess. And so there is a a, a cultural divide because there are practices that we find in scripture and even practices that we find in the triumphal entry Palm Sunday account that we don't practice anymore. And there are several of these as you you read through the Bible. You know, there's one that uh, command in in Leviticus that says that you can't eat bugs that crawl along the ground, but ones that hop are okay. So grasshoppers and locusts, you're good to go. If you want a snack after service, you can go eat those. Um, As well as we're not, you know, it says in Leviticus that we're not allowed to mix fibers. We're not allowed to mix wool and cotton and wear them. You know, we can only wear one of those fabrics. And I would guess that we have a lot of different mixed fibers in this room on our bodies right now. And there's a a practice in scripture where during festival season, it was called the Feast of Tabernacles, where families would gather together and they would build huts together, small huts, where uh, they would be able to go enter inside of these huts and share meals together during the festival season. And uh, I would guess that as a family, you have not built any huts lately. And uh, there's a, a celebration that's happening that we don't see at first glance in the Palm Sunday account. In this celebration, it's Passover season. Passover season is coming. And so if you are a male and you are a a Jew, then you are commanded to come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And so there's people traveling from all around the world who are coming to Jerusalem because it's Passover season. And it's actually Lamb Selection Day. You may not be familiar with Lamb Selection Day because this is probably another practice that you don't do with your families, but they would come and they would try to find the perfect lamb and they would pick it days before Passover and they would watch it to make sure that the lamb wasn't crazy. And uh, they would do this, they'd watch this lamb and make sure that it was a worthy sacrifice for Passover, where they would sacrifice the lamb on Passover and they would spread the blood along their door frames of their house. And so my point in highlighting these events is that there are some practices in scripture that we just don't see the true significance in at first glance because we're so far removed from these things. We're not doing these things with our families. We're not out there, and I kind of think of it like this, like if I were to build some sort of a time machine 
and I were to go to the Palm Sunday account in scripture and pull a guy out of the crowd and take him to modern day 4th of July. And we're all running around with sparklers, you know, that's coming down to our hands and fireworks are going off in the sky. And this guy would probably think that the world was coming to an end because he has no context for the celebration that's taking place. And so in Palm Sunday, it's one of those places in scripture where we're so far removed from the atmosphere and the practices that are taking place that we uh, don't really have context for it. But also, we have too much context for the Palm Sunday account because we know the events that follow the triumphal entry. We know the rest of the story. While the rest of the crowd is waving their branches and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, we know the rest of the story. We know what happens after the triumphal entry. And so in order to fully experience what this looks like, we're gonna need to remember that there is a divide between our reading and the actual experience of this in scripture. And so today we're gonna be in Matthew 21, if you would turn there, and if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the pews, and the numbers are 1503 and 1531 in your pew Bibles. And if this isn't your first time here, you've probably heard us say before that Uh, If you don't have a Bible, we would like you to take that one that's in your pew as our gift to you. And this is true, we really want you to do that. In fact, we judge how good the sermon was based on how many Bibles are taken in that service. And so, here are the records so far. (laughs) Wayne's in the lead. Yep. John and I are, you know, I've only been able to preach one weekend, and thank you, Mom, for taking a Bible for me, (laughs) getting me on the board. But uh, in all seriousness, for those of you who are new, we don't do that. This is not true. And uh, uh, we really do want you to have a Bible. So if you want to take one, that can be uh, our gift to you. And before we get into Matthew 21, we are in the middle of a series called The Good News. And gospel, and and that word gospel, actually means good news. And so we've uh, been studying the the life of Jesus and what Jesus means for us, what this good news actually is. And last week, Pastor Brian communicated the gospel by drawing this, as if we were in a coffee shop and we were drawing on a napkin, and he said that God is for us, with us, one of us, and in us. And I think that this is a great, uh, simple way to communicate who God is, because uh, right off the bat that we, we know that God is for us, that he is with us, that he is one of us, that he sent his son Jesus here on earth to live a perfect life, to show us what that looks like, and that he's in us in the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, the gospel is communicated in a variety of different ways. And when I was young, this is how I was communicated the gospel, uh, that there, we are on one side of the cliff and that God is on the other side of the cliff and that sin separates us and that Jesus came to be the sacrifice for that sin so that we could you know, have a bridge to have eternal life with God. And one thing that I could never get over in this drawing is how that little stick figure is supposed to get over that hump of the cross. Uh, 
evidently you need to be a pole vaulter for the gospel in this scenario. But anyway, the, regardless of how we communicate it, uh, what we need to remember is that, uh, that God has given us the opportunity and the ability to communicate this good news and the responsibility that before Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection, he told his disciples and gave us the commission of go and tell the world what this good news looks like. Tell the world who I am. And so we have the opportunity to not just tell good news to people, but the greatest piece of news of all time. And so, as I said before, this is why we have too much context for the Palm Sunday story, because we know the good news that is the gospel. We know the rest of the story. We know that when they were waving their palm branches, there was more that was going to happen, that that wasn't the event, that the cross was the event, that the resurrection happened. And so this is why we have too much context. We need to remember that while we know the events that follow Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, the crowd doesn't. And so as we read Matthew 21 in a moment, verses 8 through 10, uh, what I would like us to do is kind of wipe our slate clean and try to experience this thing that is happening, this celebration from a whole new lens and a whole new perspective, not knowing what is going to happen next. And so let's read Matthew 21, verses 8 through 10. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So what we need to recognize first is that everyone in the world is coming to Jerusalem because it's Lamb Selection Day. And Passover is just days away from happening. And there's a celebration that's happening in the streets because of it. There's a, there's a buzz because of this event. And we need to realize that people didn't line up like 30 minutes early to get the perfect spot to see Jesus You know, this isn't like a parade that we would go to. There weren't kids that had bags of candy, like waiting for the fire trucks to come in. That this is an event that's already happening. This is a celebration that there's excitement in the air. And then Jesus enters the middle of it. And so then in the middle of the street comes a man riding a donkey. And this this man comes in and people begin to recognize who it is. People begin to say, hey, that's Jesus. I've, I've heard about this guy. I've heard of the miracles that he's been able to do. I've heard who Jesus is. And then there are others who don't really know who Jesus is, but the crowd starts to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so there are people there who might have heard of Jesus. There are people there who are trying to figure out. And then there are people there who were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they didn't really know why they were yelling Hosanna, but that's what the rest of the crowd was doing. So 
I picture it like if I invited a friend who didn't like sports to a sporting event and I'm cheering really loud and my friend's like, yeah! And he doesn't really know why he's cheering, but the rest of the stadium is, so he's joining in. I picture these people at the Hosanna event. You know, they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they don't really know what's happening. And that's why some of the crowd was whispering, who is this? But why are they all shouting Hosanna? And what does this mean to them? Why are they spreading their cloaks on the road and why are they waving their palm branches? And this brings us to three things in the story, three elements in the story where we need to realize that our reading of Matthew 21 and the actual experience are very different. And the first thing is, when they say Hosanna, they are saying, save us. Hosanna, save us. The Greek word for Hosanna comes from the Hebrew phrase Hashiana, which is found in uh, Psalm 118.25. And Psalm 118.25 says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Hosanna is a cry for help. It's save us. And the Jews wanted to be saved from the Romans. The Romans had come into their town, taken over, conquered Jerusalem, and the Jews were being oppressed by them. The Jews were feeling like they were a stranger in their own land. And so the Jews wanted to be freed from a real immediate need that is the Romans. And so they're crying out for this, this man, Jesus, riding in on a donkey. And they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, declaring him their king who is coming to conquer the Romans. Save us. We are desperate. We are desperate to be saved from the Romans. And so the second thing is, they have false expectations of Jesus for who he is. That they're saying, Hosanna, save us. And they have false expectations for who he is because what they were doing by laying the cloaks on the road for him to ride on is they were saying, you are the king that is coming in that we're gonna put the crown on and you're gonna save us from these Romans. And what they were doing by picking up the palm branch and waving the palm branch and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, the palm branch was a sign of rebellion, and revolution. If you're a Hunger Games fan, kind of like the Mockingjay pen. So they're waving this for a war king to come in. And they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And what they're doing is they are declaring who Jesus is. They're saying, Jesus, you are our war king that is going to come in and save us from the Romans. And we're waving these palm branches to let everyone know. So I picture the Romans are there. They're seeing these palm branches waved. And this isn't like a celebration that they're joining in on because this is a sign of rebellion and revolution. And they're saying, Jesus, you are our war king. And the third thing is in the story is that they're asking the question, who is this? And so while they're trying to declare who he is by waving the palm branch. Some are whispering, some are saying, who is this? And the Pharisees, 
in other accounts in, in Scripture, in the Gospels, the Pharisees are saying, who does this guy think he is coming into our town, thinking that he's going to save people, thinking that he's going to be the king? What kind of authority does this guy think that he has coming in here? And so the actual experience of Hosanna save us, the false expectations that they put on Jesus, and then the crowd kind of asking, who is this? That's much different from the way that we read it. Because the way that we read it is when we say Hosanna, we say salvation has come. That Jesus has saved us. We're not in here with the little kids on the stage waving their palm branches looking for a sign of rebellion and revolution, right? We didn't ask them to do that. But we know that salvation has come already because we know the rest of the story. We know that Jesus went to the cross. And so when we say Hosanna, it's not cry out, crying out, save us, looking for a king with a golden crown to come in because salvation has already come. And so because we know the rest of the story, we don't have false expectations because we have the actual account. We have the account where we get to read beginning to end, we get to open up our Bible in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we get to read who Jesus is. And we have the privilege to have an outside perspective and not be the people in the crowd that are waving our branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, we are declaring who we want you to be, Jesus. And to be honest, if we didn't have the actual account and if we were in the crowd that day, we would all have our palm branches up and we would all be saying, Jesus, we want you to be our king. Jesus, we want you to fix an immediate need that we have in our lives. We want to be freed from the Romans. We would have our branches up high. But we have the actual account. And so we get to read it from a much different perspective. And so we don't ask the question, who is this? Because we know who Jesus is. We know that God sent his son to earth to live a perfect life, not in search of a crown, but in search of a cross. We know that Jesus came for us, showed us how to live life, and then died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead by conquering death and sin. We know the rest of the story. We know who Jesus is. And so when we sing songs like we did before, we sing them in praise and worship and thankfulness because we know who Jesus is. But the people who were part of the celebration, they didn't know. And even his disciples, actually, they didn't know the true significance of what was happening on Palm Sunday. And uh, uh, it says in Matthew 21, verses two through three, that Jesus asked them to do something specific before they got into Jerusalem, before the celebration took place. And it says that uh, Jesus said, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. 
If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. And so every time I read this, I can't help but chuckle a little bit because what Jesus asks them to do is something that the disciples don't understand. It says in John that they had no idea why they were going to get a donkey. And uh, so if they didn't know why they were going to get a donkey, then what were they thinking? I can imagine the, the walk to go get the donkey where they're thinking, well, Jesus said, let's go get a donkey. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get a donkey. Like Jesus said it, so let's do it. And then they take a couple steps further and they're like, this is crazy. Like, why are we doing this? Did Jesus actually ask us to steal a donkey? You know, these are some of the thoughts that might be going on in their head. Or they're thinking, why not like a horse or like a better animal? Like something a little bit faster maybe. But a donkey, like he wants us to take a small donkey. And uh, I imagine them rounding the corner and then being like, sure enough, the donkey is exactly where Jesus said it would be. And they go up to the animals and they begin to untie the animals. And I'm sure that they're thinking, please God, don't let the owner come out. <laughs> like, I don't want to have this conversation. And so they're untying it and uh, the owner walks out and they're like, oh, sure, that's what happens. And uh, they say, the Lord needs them. Which, uh, you know, that's not going to work for any of us if we walk into Walmart, probably. <laughs> so they untie it, and uh, the, he, they say the Lord needs them, and then the owner says, okay, take them. And so they're walking back with these animals, and they're like, I can't believe that worked. Like, this is great. Jesus said it, and it would happen, and it did. And they walk back, they bring it to Jesus, Jesus rides into the city during Lamb Selection Day and people begin to shout for their king who is coming to conquer. They ignore the fact that he's riding on a donkey and not a white horse. They're shouting for a king anyway. They say, Hosanna, Hosanna. They wave their branches and some of the crowd whispers, who is this? Some are excited, some are confused. The Pharisees are angry, the Romans are angry. Either way, the crowd is shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I wonder when the first time that the disciples realized what Jesus actually asked them to do. I wonder when they learned the significance of it. It says in Matthew 21, verse 5, it says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And I wonder when the disciples learned that the thing that Jesus actually asked them to do was written down in Zechariah 9.9, 550 years before it actually happened. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king coming to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. I just can't imagine the disciples who went and got this donkey, later learning that what Jesus asked them to do was the plan 
all along. That Jesus asked them to go and get this donkey. And 550 years before this, in Zechariah 9.9, that is what was written. What a feeling that would have been. What a feeling that would have been for the disciples to be like, man, I was a part of that. Like that prophecy, I was a part of that. Jesus actually asked me to do that and I went and did it and the donkey was right where he said it was gonna be. And the owner gave it to us. What a feeling that would have been. And regardless of when they learned that, This is what we know. We know that Jesus was coming into the city that day, not in search of a crown, but in search of a cross. And that Jesus was coming into the city that day, not to save the people from the Romans and immediate need, but Jesus was coming to save the world from their sin. This is what we know about Jesus that He was not in search of a crown, but a cross. And while the people were in the city, they were waving their palm branches and they were shouting in that moment, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, declaring him their king. Days later, they put down their palm branches and they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. They went from praise as Jesus as their king to shouting, crucify him, crucify him, and putting him up on a cross because he didn't meet their expectations. He wasn't the king that they wanted him to be, so they put him on a cross. And so for us, the Palm Sunday account, when we sing Hosanna in church, we don't say, Hosanna, God, save us, because it is finished. The cross has happened. Jesus was coming, not in search of a crown of gold. Jesus didn't get a crown of gold placed onto his head, but Jesus got a crown of thorns pushed down onto it. And Jesus didn't get a palace and gold and all these luxurious meals. Jesus got a cross. That's what Jesus came for. That's why Jesus rode in on a donkey. He came for you and for I to save the world from their sins. And so we can read it from a much different perspective. And so in the perspective that we can read it from, what can we learn from it? And there's two takeaways that I have from Matthew 22. And the first is this. The first is, Jesus will call you to go. Jesus will call you to go, just like he called the disciples to go and get a donkey. He might not ask you to get a donkey, but Jesus will call you to go And you're going to need to be ready to go regardless of how uncomfortable it feels, regardless of what happens or what the result is, that the King of Kings will call you to go. 
And the reason why we go is because we serve a God that didn't sit on a throne and place a golden crown on his head, but we serve a God who got a crown of thorns pushed onto his head and died on a cross for us. And so we go in obedience of what that God did for us. And if that's what Jesus did for me, then when Jesus calls me to go, I'm gonna go. And regardless of what happens, regardless if it's death or a loss of status or a loss of income, whatever it may be, I wanna go because I serve the greatest king that ever walked this earth. And my king didn't choose to ride in on a white horse, but my king chose to ride in on a donkey. And so the second thing is, that he has already gone before us. Jesus will call us to go, but he has already gone before us, just like he went before his disciples. He has gone before you in in anything that he is calling you to go and be a part of. He's there. And so the second thing is, when we cry Hosanna, we know how amazing Jesus is. We know how amazing Jesus is. And get this, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day, what would they do for Lamb Selection Day? They would go, they would observe, they would pick a lamb, they would observe it to make sure it was worthy enough for sacrifice. And Jesus rode in on a donkey that day. And after that, the Pharisees grilled him with all kinds of questions. And they examined him. And then they put him up on a cross. Our worthy sacrifice on Lamb Selection Day, our Lamb is Jesus. And he wrote in and made that statement, and the people put him up on the cross for us. And so when we say Hosanna, we say salvation has come. Because Jesus is not seeking a crown but a cross. Jesus is not coming to save them from the Romans, but to save the world, to save us, to save you from your sin. And so we don't ask the question, who is this? Because we already know how amazing Jesus is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is the very child I am. Jesus is my Hosea. 
And so you may have been here this whole time thinking, well, this guy has talked about how amazing Jesus is, but I have never really experienced that. I don't know who Jesus is. And so I thought of no better way to end our time together today than to let Jesus say who he is. And so we read in John 6, 35, that Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life and whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is the light of the world. In John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the great I am in John 8, 58. He said, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus is the gate. He said, I am the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus is the true vine in John 15, 1. He said, I am the, vine, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Jesus is the good shepherd in John 10, 11, where he said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, and even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in John 10, 10, we, we learn that Jesus is our answer to true life. And he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so we know how amazing Jesus is because he said it. He stated it all throughout this book. He wrote into Jerusalem a worthy sacrifice for our sins, our lamb. And we have the opportunity to worship him and serve the greatest king that ever walked this earth. And so what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna sing to God. And if you have a prayer need, uh, we would love for you to come forward. Uh, but we would love for you to take this time and when you sing Hosanna, sing it as a praise that salvation has come. And we're gonna sing a couple songs to honor God with all that we have. So would you stand and worship with me?